the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Yes. 
Is it really so easy? Simply go to Jesus, be washed, be made whiter than snow? Is it that easy? Well, yes, it is. This is not rocket science. This is not learning how to use a computer. This is not technology. This is something much simpler. I want to share with you today some very simple truths. I'm not going to preach. I want to simply talk about them. I want the truth itself to deal with your heart to uncover what it is that has been keeping you from Jesus. I want to share with you a a brief story from a book published many years ago. It's the story of an Irish saint. She was known as Holy Anne. But she didn't start out holy. In fact, she started out trying to go to school in a very poor family. Her father was a a herder taking care of farm animals. But this, this woman, Anne, was... She was just dumb. I don't say that to insult her. She was simply dumb. They tried to send her to school, and she was immediately kicked out and sent back home because they said she could not learn. So a a Christian sister tried to take her under her wing and teach her the Lord's Prayer. She simply could not remember it. But she was a very, very hard worker. 
and so her parents decided that she would have to leave the house and go and work in other people's homes to earn her money to support herself. And for years, this is how Anne continued. But as time passed, she began to be wicked, turning to things of darkness. But God very graciously arrested her downward steps. She was preparing to go to work in a saloon. But instead, she was offered providentially a placement with a Christian mistress. Her name was Mrs. McKay. Now, Mrs. McKay hated liquor with all of her heart, for her husband had been driven crazy through alcohol and for some time did not live at home but lived in an insane asylum. And so Mrs. McKay expressed her very strong dislike, demanding that Anne have nothing to do with the tavern or with liquor. Now, Mrs. McKay was a very good woman, not not merely a good woman, but she was an Irish Methodist with warm piety. She sought to influence every person who came under her roof. She observed family prayer, and Anne was invited to join the family in worship as Mrs. McKay led it. Now, this was an entirely new experience for Anne. Her dull mind comprehended very little. She was utterly ignorant of all religious matters. When she was asked one day to please bring the New Testament Bible to the time of prayer, she instead brought a newspaper. The book had never been used in any home that Anne had ever lived in. It was utter natural ignorance. Now, Mrs. McKay was very eager to win her hired help, but she acted quite judiciously in that for some time she didn't press Anne to accompany her to the religious meetings, but finally she ventured to invite Anne to come to a class meeting, a Methodist class meeting. After a little pressure, Anne agreed to go. It was all so new to her that, that she looked on with open-mouthed wonder as she saw some weeping and others shouting praise to God. As things proceeded, she became quite disgusted with it all. To her, it just seemed to be a religious act. She even watched to see whether the crying was real or whether they were wetting their cheeks. She hardly knew what to think about this whole matter. Now, after dinner that day, the, the mistress rang the bell and Anne entered the parlor and was surprised when she was invited to sit down. 
Mrs. McKay opened the conversation with, Well, Anne, how did you like the class meeting? Anne's answer was completely noncommittal. I don't know. Although, if she had spoken her mind, she would have called them a lot of hypocrites. Well, said Mrs. McKay, won't you go again? Anne doggedly replied, I don't think so. When pressed for a reason, she stated that she had nothing to say in the meeting anyway. She felt utterly out of place when others were speaking and praying and weeping. While she sat solid as a post. In order to help her, Mrs. McKay suggested that she had, that she had some reasons to praise God, saying, Who gives you food to eat? And who gives you clothing to wear? Now, this well-meaning question missed the mark in Anne's mind, for while she made no reply, made no reply, she had some big inward mental reservations about about all of this, and she almost broke the ominous silence as she said to herself, "I guess I work hard enough for all them." Mrs. McKay got very little satisfaction that day, but she did not give up. The next Sunday she pressed Anne to go and hear a Mr. Armstrong holiday. At this time the Methodists were very much despised and much too poor to erect a place of worship. Consequently, meetings were held always in private homes. On this notable Sunday, the parlor was crowded, and Anne was very glad to be out of the range of the minister's eyes. She remembered nothing that was said except the text, which was not one that would strike the average sinner. The words were, Thou when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father, who seeth in secret, and thy Father, who seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Later, after returning home sometime between 8 and 9 p.m. that evening. After all of her day's work was finished, Anne made her way up to the attic. It was just a bare room, the furniture being a large wooden chair. Anne hardly knew why she did it, but she voluntarily knelt for the first time in her life and began to cry out, without any conception of what was the matter. She lost, in fact, all control of herself. Her mistress heard the noise downstairs, three flights of stairs, lower. To her daughter, she said, Anne is taking the minister's advice. And a little while after that, she went up and asked Anne, What's the matter? 
Anne looked up and answered, I don't know, ma'am. But just then she seemed to have a sudden revelation of her thoughts and her troubles, and she added, Oh, oh, yes, I do know. I see all the sins that ever I did from the time I was five years old. They're all written on the chair in front of me, every one. And then she, she looked down, and she cried out, Oh, ma'am, worse than all, I see hell open, ready to swallow me. Then, like one of old, she began to smite her breast, and without any knowledge that she was repeating Scripture, she cried out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Once more, she became desperate, and she cried over and over again for mercy. Mrs. McKay tried to hush her up, saying, Don't let the master hear you. Then she suggested Anne should go to her own room and pray and close the door. And Anne said, I'll go to mine and pray for you. But Anne was, was too much in earnest for all of this. I don't care, ma'am. I don't care if all the world hears me. I must cry for mercy. So after she was settled in her room, the conviction did not leave her. She continued to pray until midnight. When she jumped up, saying as she rose, No mercy for me, Lord. Is there no mercy for me? But as soon as the question passed her lips. Her heart was assured. Anne always said that as she looked up, she saw the Savior as he was on Calvary. And she knew right then that his blood atoned for her sins. She had the Methodist way of expressing it when she said, I felt then something burning in my heart. I just longed for the morning that I could go home and tell my father and mother what the Lord had done for me. She went over to the table and she picked up a, a New Testament, which the young ladies used, and then prayed her first simple request as a child of God. O Lord, she said, you that has taken away this awful burden, intolerable to bear, couldn't you enable me to read one of these little testaments? And putting her finger on a verse, she read it. Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give shall never thirst. For the first time in her life, Anne was able to read a verse of Scripture. This was the beginning 
of divine assistance in teaching this ignorant girl how to read the Bible and how to belong to Jesus. This is the simple story of an Irish saint who continued to grow in great power in the spirit. If anyone in the village needed something, they came to Holy Anne and she prayed for them. Oh, she had a fight with her Irish temper, but God conquered it. Every sin of her heart was dealt with. Every question of her mind was answered. Gloriously saved and used by God. Now I want to go back and just look at this story for a moment. Here's Anne, ignorant, unschooled, unlettered, thinking these Christians are a bunch of hypocrites, doesn't want anything to do with them, has her firm prejudice in mind, and is frank in speaking it. She hears one scripture out of a sermon. And in obedience to that one scripture, she kneels down before God. Now, why did she do that? She did that because the power of the Holy Spirit entered into her heart and began to prompt her, began to instruct her. See, we're so full of self today. We're so full of our information and our education that there's no room for the Holy Spirit to come into our heart and begin to tell us what to do. Instead, we want to remain firmly in charge. We want to be the ones who goes after God if we're going to go after God. We don't like the idea that God would come and go after us. But I want to tell you today, you will never know Jesus Christ until he enters into you and begins to direct you and order your steps. She kneels down in front of this chair. A woman simple of mind who cannot read a word. But suddenly, Anne sees written on the back of that big chair every sin she has ever committed. And her heart is utterly pierced. And she begins at the prompting of the Holy Spirit to cry out. Lord, have mercy on me. She doesn't even know that scripture. This is the Holy Spirit praying through her. 
Oh, God, have mercy upon me. See, the simple question is, do you go after God? Or does God go after you? If you go after God, you're not going to find him. Holy Anne was found by God because she was willing to humble her heart. She was willing to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. She knew she was ignorant and uneducated. She knew she simply had hard work to do. Cooking and cleaning. Changing the beds. Scrubbing the floors. Hard slave work. And in the midst of that, the Holy Spirit came. Now, you've all probably heard of, of George Whitfield. George Whitfield and John Wesley were preaching at the same time. They brought forth what is called the Great Awakening. It was a time of the intense work of the Holy Spirit to shape America to prepare America for the Constitution, to break with England, to walk holy before God. George Whitfield was a, a speaker that did not follow the custom of the day. He did not read his sermons. He spoke out of the unction of the Holy Spirit out of the scriptures, he poured him whole, his he poured himself wholly into his messages. But I want to tell you, when you when you boil down George Whitfield's sermons, what was he really saying? He was saying first, repent. Second, go to Christ. And third, be saved by the Holy Spirit. That was it. That was his message. That was his theology. Repent. Believe in Christ. Go to him. And third, be saved by the Holy Spirit. Now, in today's culture, we have an intellectual understanding of what the gospel means. And then we believe we, we can go to Jesus and receive him, accept him, and we're saved, and we're good to go. Well, Whitfield would say, that's foolishness. You're not saved at all. He would say you'd have to start with repent. But see, how do we how do we start with repent when it's 
coming out of us. And we want to accomplish something. And we we want to be saved. As one man said to me this last week, Pastor, I don't want to go to hell, so I'll receive Jesus. Oh, really? No, you won't receive Jesus. Because Jesus won't receive you. See, it's never a question of whether I will accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. It's a question of whether Jesus will accept me as a penitent sinner, as one who who needs to be transformed by his grace. You see, we were we were all born dead. And there's no way that we're going to be able to gussy up this dead body, this dead mind. You can't dress it up and make it acceptable before God. We were all dead when we were born. And we continued to live in death, in sin, degradation, following the ways of the world, following the ways of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, disobedient, self-centered. That's who we, that's who we were born to be. Full of violence and strife and arguing and pride and arrogance and sexual uncleanness. That's, that's who we were all born to be offering our hands as instruments of wickedness. We can't save ourselves. There's only one thing that Jesus comes and commands at the beginning of the journey, and that command is, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. some point we're going to have to make the transition from being in charge of our own lives to totally giving everything over to the hand of Jesus. Now, I'm real shy of even saying that to you because it carries with it such traditional meaning, and I'm not using it in any traditional sense. I'm saying salvation comes by a supernatural work of God in a man or woman's heart. And if you skip over the first part that Holy Anne experienced, this Irish saint, if you skip over that work of having the Holy Spirit show you the depths of your sin, you cannot be saved. She had to see her sin. She had to see her pride. How can you be saved until you know you're lost? A man finds no pleasure in being saved if he's not lost. 
if I'm looking out the window at my neighbor's swimming pool and I run out of the house, I jump in the water and I grab him and I haul him fighting and spitting. I haul him to the side of the pool. He's going to have me arrested for abuse, for assault. But if that same man is swimming in his pool and he begins to drown and I dive in and rescue him, I am his and his family's hero. Lauded. Many of you have entered the church without any sense of ever being lost. Without ever crying out for God's mercy. It's been a casual deal. Well, my my parents believed this. They went to church, and and I believe it, and so I go to church. There's a couple at the National Prayer Chapel that I that I love dearly. Of course, I love them all, but this couple is is special to my heart. Her name is Alex, and his is Andrew. I'll tell you what I like about them. I like that they're not overlaid with a whole bunch of theological stuff. I like that they were born again in much the same way Holy Anne was. Involved in every kind of wicked thing. Surely hell-bound. But there was such sickness in their heart. Such a crying out to God. They actually were both born again in the shower. I kid with them and I say, I wish everybody would go to the shower. They were born again. And now their heart is to share with everyone the joy of following Jesus. They went out and and had this card made. You can see it. I'll hold it up so that you can see it in the monitor on the videotape. It's an empty tomb with a dove above it. And the text they have on it is, For we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, If we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection, Romans 6, 5. And then the information about the National Prayer Chapel. They don't have a lot of money, but they went out and spent their money. 25 cents apiece. So they could hand them out to people and testify and witness. You see, this this gospel deal is, is driven by the Holy Spirit. This is the school of the Holy Spirit. This is this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. And he begins to move in the heart. He begins to prompt and say, Go here, go there, do this, do that. 
He brings great conviction of sin. He causes great weeping and sorrow. I heard a man casually talking about in his Christian walk, he He'll go out and watch television. He'll go out and do something else. And, and a dryness will come into his heart. And so he has to go and call on the Lord. It troubles me. A real Christian doesn't go out to these sinful places. A real Christian doesn't go sit down and feast on the darkness. A real Christian who is driven by an inner presence and power of the Holy Spirit does not go out and feast on the carrion of the devil. A person who is being driven by the inside, by the Holy Spirit, will grow tired physically, but Jesus said, that his spirit would quicken our mortal bodies and give us strength. One dear brother, he works many hours every day professionally and then comes home and spends many hours working on the internet, doing the tapes and the CDs and Last night he said, I can't come to the prayer meeting. I'm too tired. I'm having a hard time even driving home from work. And I said, brother, you must stop. You're trying to do in your flesh the work that only the Spirit can do. Let's pray together now and ask the Holy Spirit to give life to your mortal body. But you have to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit and not go further than the Holy Spirit directs you to go. This is not a work the gospel kingdom work is not a work of the flesh. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. So much of what we do is driven by outward forces. I need money, so I go to work. I need this, so I'll do that. I need this person to like me, so I'll say this. I need Jesus to approve of me and to save me, so I'll read the Bible and I'll and I'll do this for him. I'll fast for him and I'll do this and wrong. Well, I fast. I fast regularly. But I don't fast out of my flesh. I fast at the direction of the Holy Spirit who whispers to me. Fast today. Pray today. See, we're not under the rule of information. We're under the rule of the Holy Spirit. Let me read this scripture. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. 
All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Grace and sin cannot live in the same place. Grace is never a cover for sin. Grace is never in Scripture used to describe permissiveness towards sin on God's part. Grace is unmerited favor. It's unmerited favor because we were dead in transgressions. We were dead people. And by his grace, he came through the divine influence of the Holy Spirit. By the washing, by the blood of Jesus, he made us alive. Not then to go and live by our own rules and in our own ways, but rather he made us alive by moving in the inner being of our soul. I'm going to open the phone lines. I'm just sensing today that that some of you need to call and I need to pray with you. I'm talking about a, a total change in your understanding of the gospel where you no longer are going about doing good things as a legalist, but where you are allowing the Holy Spirit to make you alive in Christ and where he comes and dwells in you. And now your day is in obedience to the calling and the moving of the Holy Spirit. It's no longer by the flesh of man. It's by the power of the Spirit of the living God. Our phone number is 877-534-0780. We have a few minutes. I'd love to pray with any of you who today are willing to let the facade down and say, I need to walk in a new way with Jesus. I need to walk at the command and at the power of the Holy Spirit. I need to be saved by the Holy Spirit. Do you want that burning in your heart that Holy Anne spoke of early in the broadcast? the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to begin to change you, transform you, to wash you, that you would be like Jesus. 877-534-0780 I also would like to, while I'm waiting on you to call, give you our church address where you are 
invited to give tithes and offerings to support this radio broadcast. If it's important to you to have this on the air, then I ask, please, as the Holy Spirit moves in you at the prompting of the Holy Spirit, would you give today to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now, do you understand why I'm not offering you a book or offering you tapes if you'll just give to help support this broadcast? I'm not going to use those kinds of flesh devices to cause you in your flesh to say, oh, I want that. Okay, I'll give. No. I want you to give out of the prompting of the Holy Spirit because you know he's calling you. I want you to let the Holy Spirit be in charge of how much and what you give, not some outward pressure or some decision that you make that this is what I should do. I don't want you to give that way, please. Give it the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And there will be a warmth in your heart, a knowing in your spirit that you're doing what Jesus wants you to do. I also invite you to come and and worship with us at the prayer chapel. Our services are held at the All Saints Anglican Church. And I do want to share that Emmanuel Anglican Church is a wonderful church family, and they they actually rent space from All Saints Anglican Church, and we pay a monthly amount of rent share to the Emmanuel Anglican Church. Both of these churches have been very kind and gracious to the prayer chapel. I'm very grateful for their love for us and their love for Jesus. Anyway, the All Saints Anglican Church is located at 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. Drive around to the back side and you'll see a large white sign that says Lower Lobby. Double glass doors. Come in through those double glass doors and you'll find the worship center for the National Prayer Chapel on the right on the left hand side as you come in our phone number is 8775340780 and if no one is going to call mr producer do we have any calls you've been listening to pilgrim's progress I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I'm praying today that you will repent, that you will go find Jesus, and that you'll be saved by the Holy Spirit. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.
Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.